0: Welcome into the Lockdown Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and we are back with our first mailbag of 2022. Alex, what are we going to get into in this new year?
1: Yeah, we've got a lot to get into. I mean, first off, we're going to give it a lot of time. Lots of people were concerned with what is the path forward for this Knicks team. And right so, you know, I think we we asked this for the the Raptors game, but even with a, a good game in between, you know, not too much has changed about What's the direction of this team? So we're going to talk about that first and give that a lot of time. And then a couple silly questions, uh, talk about bing bong, the origins, why it stinks spoiler alert. I think it stinks. Uh, and also talk about who can come close to touching Patrick Ewing's sweatiness, uh, on the court, which he was a rare breed as far as sweat goes. So we'll talk about that next in this edition of the locked on Knicks mailbag. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five, Going from the left, yes! Thompson, huts left, now fires a three, and he's good! And he's fouled! He's And he's fouled! Anthony for three!
0: you are locked on nicks your daily new york Mix podcast we want to thank you for making locked on nicks your first listen today and every day we are now available on all platforms including and you know this if you see our beautiful faces on youtube so please go throw us a subscription if you haven't all Ready And today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. Heading to Springfield, Massachusetts. I just booked my Airbnb to broadcast the Hoop Hall tournament. Some of the best high school teams in the country. Check that out from January 13th to January 17th. He is Alex Wolf, editor in chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website on the internet that just got a rare gift, a Benji Ritholds game recap. So if you haven't checked that out, please go and do so. And now, a rare gift for all of you a mailbag. We we, we try to do them monthly, we don't always get to the monthly, but with 2022 um here uh we thought we would get one in so as alex alluded to the first four questions were essentially all on the same theme how do we how do the knicks proceed at this point so i'll just i'll rip through them real quick so so you get you get a feel for what everyone wants to know uh, jvgs civic at jvg civic asked what is the best path what is the best path forward for this team trade randall what the hell do we do with rj's extension coming up this summer feels like a lot of questions and tearing it down again might be the best bet Irm Lakaj, great friend of the show, at Lakage. have we hit the breaking point where draft positioning makes more sense than fight fighting for the play-in, even with the team whole? And if we trade for, say, Miles Turner, what, did you, what are the chances this team gets to 42 to 45 wins? My worst fear, out of play-in and picking 12th. Happy New Year, Alex and Gavin. Happy New Year, Irm. Uh Matt Motram. Wants to know at Matt Motram, time to blow things up or what's the plan? Can you talk through both options and how they play out the next few years and beyond? Steve Thomas at Dark Steve five ninety asked, "At what point do the Knicks start trading off quote unquote assets in order to assess the rest of the roster?" So, Alex, pretty clear what the people want to know. How do the Knicks move forward? Yeah, I mean, I you know I think I alluded
1: to this on our last show, but like I feel like my opinion of this changes almost daily. <laughs> um, you know, this was it, this was asked, you know, these these particular questions I think came in right after the Raptors game because we just kind of generally said like, "Oh, what do you guys want us to talk about?" And we took a couple things out of that. I think we talked about potentially trading Burks and and stuff like that on that show because we were like, "Well, we need to talk about something and clearly the game wasn't worth talking about." Then of course, you know, you have the game against the Pacers and makes you start to like reassess like, "Oh, wait, like look, Julius and RJ both scored 30 points, you know, how cool is this? So, you know, I I think that, I guess maybe if we were going to tackle the first part of the question, you know, or the first part of this like multifaceted, uh, four-headed question here is like, you know, the, the RJ and Julius part. So, you know, RJ Barrett is up for an extension uh, after this, this off season or like, you know, the end of this coming off season prior to next season and could potentially get paid, I think up to around $150 million uh, if he gets his full rookie max deal, which would be roughly pay him like 30 million a season. Um, I think that's, that's about the deal that like Michael Porter just got um, Luka Doncic, obviously I think he got more because um, Luka was able to get more because of his uh, uh, Derek Rose rule. Uh, achievements with you know getting on NBA teams and stuff like that all-star teams all that good stuff same with Trey Young but you know RJ could potentially negotiate a uh, I think up to 150 million dollar extension I don't know at this point if I feel super comfortable giving him a full rookie max and so that's probably the first part Gavin where do you fall as far as that's concerned like I just think it's really going to depend on how RJ closes out this year. And I feel like that sort of is the case for a lot of the guys on this team, as far as what's their standing going to be going forward. Like Mitchell Robinson is going to be an unrestricted free agent. You know, RJ has his extension coming up. <laughs> Kevin Knox is going to be a, free, no, I mean, uh, Kevin Ox doesn't matter so much, but he'll, he'll technically be a restricted free agent. You know, we're going to have to start thinking about these guys sooner than later. And, and, those two in particular, I think, are are really big to look at for the rest of this year, and what the Knicks decide to do with them could have pretty big bearings on what they
0: end up doing as far as addressing this core going forward. Yeah, I think is, I mean, pretty obviously the most fascinating one because do you? I mean, do you want to get a, into a scenario right a, a year from now where you're he w- he would be a restricted free agent a year from now if they don't give him the extension, right? Uh, yeah, he would. Yeah. So
1: you would hit restrictive free agency. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they have to extend him before next preseason begins, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. So I think in some, I mean, typically with, with a surefire thing as a rookie, that would be an extremely undesirable scenario. Um, And I think the Knicks to attempt to avoid that, they will try and lock RJ in on a fairly team friendly deal. Assuming we get, Essentially what we've gotten this year, but, or let me, let me rephrase that assuming we get essentially what we got last year from RJ for the rest of the season, right? Which I think is probably the most realistic expectation that the three point shooting ticks up a bit, probably not to the levels it was at last season. The two point efficiency is a career best, but he's not doing every night what he did last night. And you have a player that looks like someone who can be a solid contributor on a good team, if not ultimately a superstar. And I don't know, what's a reasonable contract for a guy like that who's still very young, who has the pedigree of RJ Barrett? I don't know, is it 18 million a year? Is it, I mean, $20 million a year? If you're if you're being a little bit generous to RJ and you're betting on future growth, sure, I would be I'd be perfectly content if if assuming he continues on on the recent trend, which is only three games long of positive play, of locking him into something like that. I have a feeling RJ Barrett will want more than that. And I have a feeling that it will, the conversation will extend into another season and, and next year, RJ will say, I'm going to bet on myself. The next will be like, all right, cool, go for it. And RJ will see if he can make a real leap because we, we, a lot of us thought that was going to happen this year. I think at this point, it, that is a long shot uh, unless, unless what we saw again, the last three games was, was a lot more real than we thought um but i I think i think if the leap is going to come it'll be a year from now i think rj will not want to lock himself in i think he will want to bet on that leap i think the knicks will ultimately be okay with that and and say you know if you're that good we're okay paying you that kind of money and i think that's where this ultimately ends up
1: yeah i think so too and you know i think we already have evidence out there to say that the knicks are okay with you know paying guys what they're worth you know and and i'm sure that some of the, the players on the team have noticed that like Norton's Noel has a great year last year. And then the Knicks, you know, for better or worse, going into this year, you know, nobody could have predicted that Noel was going to have a, a bum knee this year. But, like, you know, Noel, for better or worse, has, you know, been paid for playing well, you know. And Alec Burks, same deal. He hadn't had a long term home in forever. And, you know, he plays well for the Knicks on a one year deal. They re up him and pay him what he's worth. And so you know, they'll probably come to RJ and his agent with an honest assessment of what they think he's worth this offseason, sort of like what was reportedly uh, sort of on the table with Mitchell Robinson. It seems like they at least made some sort of offer that Mitch and his camp said, nah, you know, we'll we'll see how things go this year. You know, that that one was a little different because the timetable was different. So we really signed an extension to the start of free agency. Uh, at the end of this year, whereas RJ's because being on a rookie scale contract has to be figured out by October um, for that to work. So, you know, I I think that I I think we will see a situation where RJ's going to, um, you know, probably bet on himself next year. I, I, I agree with you with that. You know, I think that the Knicks will come with an offer depending on how much he shows out to end this year and say, okay, you know, this is what we're, what we think you're worth. And he's going to be like, well, I think I had a down year last year for, you know, all kinds of reasons. So I want to play out this year and hit restrictive free agency. I don't think there will be any animosity about it. it. It seems like the organization loves RJ and RJ loves the organization. So hopefully, you know, that they'll be able to just kind of approach it professionally. And then, you know, at the end of next year, just be like, all right, RJ, like, you know, maybe the Knicks pull the Jeremy Lin thing and say, look, like, Obviously, we can't come to an agreement here. So go find a team that has an offer for you and we'll match it, you know, or something like that. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that this can work and, and still work out professional for everybody. So it's uh, I, I think that's how it's going to go, probably. But, Gavin, we could probably move to the uh, to the question of Julius Randall here. But did you want to let everybody know about Bill real quick?
0: Yeah, I wanted to move to the question of of getting off of bad subscriptions and saving a whole lot of money, Alex. Uh, Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill is over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B., who says, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 on the year on my DirecTV bill. Saved $120 on the year my Series XM bill, saved $840 a year on my car insurance. So don't fall for a subscription scam. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash lockdown NBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash lockdown NBA. It could save you thousands a year, truebill.com slash lockdown NBA. And with that, we are back on lockdown Knicks. And as you mentioned, Alex, one of one of the elements of of, of this questions was uh, do we do we trade? Randall. And to me, that that gets into, I mean, I, I think all the other parts of this question in terms of what the Knicks guiding principle is going forward. And, and to me, and I've said this a, a couple of times throughout the year, my ultimate goal is to not end up like the Orlando Magic for the last decade, right? I don't want to be on the treadmill of mediocrity. And I know, and a lot of people pointed this out, the treadmill of mediocrity is, is a whole lot better than what the Knicks have been for the last two decades, which is the treadmill of bad, but not bad enough. So there's there, there's a rewarding element to it. It is a step forward, but you got to make the next step as a franchise at some point. And, and maybe that even means going backwards, but there, there has to be a path forward that does not include winning 41 games every single year, on and on and on, and that never changing. So how do the Knicks actually go about doing that. Uh, You trade for a star, you sign a star or you draft a star. Generally that's how a team goes from mediocre to good. I mean, you can even look at Orlando who's now sort of back there, but at least now they have a young core where they have somewhat of a promising future when previously it was it was this team led by Nikola Vucevic that really just had no upside, at least with Franz Wagner, there, there's something to build around there. So Alex, I, I looked at the teams around the NBA that have made that jump and I was, I was trying to look for commonalities, right? To me, the Grizzlies, the Cavs and the Bulls are, are the chief three examples of teams that went from bad or in the case of the, or average or in the case of the Cavs, bad to really good to amazing this year. And, and the commonalities were, um High-level like lottery talents, right? For the Grizzlies, John Morant. For the Cavs, it was Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, and then just fantastic roster construction after hitting on those top five picks. And for the Grizzlies, I mean that that included a whole lot of guys, right? Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark. Uh, you can go, you can go on and on and on. Basically, the Grizzlies fit on every pick for for a few years. So that that almost seems impossible. Morant, I think, was like a uniquely special not uniquely special, but, but the rare top three pick that is genuinely lived up to the billing and more. Like he's going to be a perennial top five to eight player in this league. Uh, The Cavs might have gotten the same thing with Mobley. They got a really good piece in Garland and then they pulled off this Jared Allen trade that basically no one expected. And to me, that's one of the other common threads of all these teams, like pulling off the move that in retrospect looks sort of insane that they just got Jared Allen, who's an all-star this year for a late first round pick. The Bulls are probably the most optimistic slash like realistic path forward for the Knicks because they they basically had this a, a very similar quarter New York a year ago, weren't even as good as New York a year ago. And then they just improved through free agency and signing mid-tier free agents. Lonzo ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso. There's a world where the Knicks had that same offseason. So maybe the Knicks, and, and I think just from the young guys on the roster, the Knicks could find a Caruso, they could find Alonzo. The question is: where do you get your DeRozan? Um, I was looking through twenty twenty two free agents. DeAndre Ayton was the name that jumped out at me, to me as the guy who might be sort of underappreciated and uh, could come out and and be that type of star um, on, if not a fantastic deal, um, one that is just feasible for the Knicks to get. Obviously, in a very different way than DeRozan is. But Alex, I was I was curious your thoughts on all of that and what the Knicks' path forward is to to jumping from mediocre.
1: Yeah, I'm not so as far as what path the Knicks could take. I don't necessarily know if their path is that different from like the Grizzlies or the Cavs, if RJ Barrett works out. And that's obviously a big if, but you know, you mentioned like a top three pick, you know, Evan Mobley and and John Morant probably are on a different level than RJ, but I think that him getting say to like a Darius Garland level, as far as impact is not completely out of the picture. You know, we've obviously seen some great, performances from him this year Um, you know in the Pacers game most recently but then in the earlier stretch of the season you know and then he just had that that slump which you know for one reason or another you know uh, you know is is you know not feeling his best or something but you know I I don't know exactly what the cause is but uh, you know if he can start finding that level of play more and obviously we've already talked about his contract and And everything else so far in this episode, like he is the most important piece to, you know, what the Knicks can do going forward, because if he's the real deal, you can start building, you know, basing your team building strategy more like the Bulls, for example, which I I think is probably still the best example of how the Knicks can can make this work going forward. I don't think they have any like unmovable contracts on the team. I think that Evan Fournier, for as much as his contract kind of stinks at this point. Based off how he's played, I think that contract is still movable. You might have to attach a pick or something to it, but I think you can move it, um, and that would allow you to take another stab at trying to find your your DeRozan or whatever. You know, like you noted in the show notes for this, like it was <laughs> was Fournier their attempt at a DeRozan, and the the answer is probably yes. Um, so I, I think that that's their way. Forward. You know, I think that I think free agency hitting on their their mid round picks of the draft you know which they've already done with quickly and grimes and you know top in and, and you know round pick i mean i think that their draft record speaks for itself. you know i i think that if you want to just find that other star it's probably gonna take free agency or a trade and how good rj barrett is goes a long way in determining all that because you know you might decide that you want to trade him to you know produce star you might decide that you want to handle because are that you want to pair a different star with him you might decide that you want to keep both of them and put everybody else on the table to find that third star or whatever between the three of them but really RJ has to show that he can be a consistent star level talent and, and that's sort of the the big uh difference maker here for me I think as far as you know what he uh, what this team can do going forward and how they can get better uh but Gavin, I'll let you rebut that, and then we can get to our final few mailbag questions here. But I just want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, good news. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, as well as containing just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs, compared to a huge 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and that's without even getting into all the fat, and other bad things that are in regular candy bars. So even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check Built.com often to see what's new. So go to Built.com. And use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order today. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin, I'll throw it to you to, uh, you know, to, to give your take. You sort of just introduced the situation um, as far as other good teams. But what do you think is the the path for the Knicks better and, and the path they should take going forward with this team? Yes,
0: yeah, so I, 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 I think I hinted at it with finding someone like Ayton or – you, you gotta, if there's one person in the draft that they fall in love with, I wouldn't mind them going all in on someone. And we've seen, I mean, sometimes that that works out really well. Sometimes it doesn't. Like look at the Pelicans a few years ago. I mean, when they, or, or I mean, I guess they did the inverse of this where they had the number four pick. They could have gotten Darius Garland. They could have gotten DeAndre Hunter. And instead they, they sort of bailed out of it and traded back and ended up with Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and really like a whole, a whole bunch of nothing. So really I, I want the Knicks to be, on the other end of their equation, I want them to find, I mean, DeAndre Hunter has sort of been a mixed bag for Atlanta, but I want them to find their version of that guy in the draft. Maybe it's someone like Jaden Ivey and just just someone to go all in on and say, hey, this is the, this is the third guy here that could really complement RJ and Julius. And then I think you're setting yourself up to be a little bit closer to a bull situation where all of a sudden you're maybe – a couple of smart signings away, right? Because that, that's basically what the Bulls did. They they didn't they didn't really outbid anyone for any of those Maybe maybe DeRozan. Maybe there were other teams competing for DeRozan. I'm sure there were a couple other teams who sort of wanted Lonzo. Um but it was it wasn't because they could outspend everyone. It wasn't because they were the most attractive destination. They just made a bunch of like really smart mid to high tier signings. And and for the Knicks, maybe the equivalent of that is again you make the trade for that guy and then you go all in on someone like DeAndre Aiden. And now is, is Aiden the perfect third piece for Randall or RJ? Not really, but I don't think there is a perfect third piece for Randall or RJ because there's not really, uh, unless you're talking about the top like five guys in the league who the Knicks are never going to get. There's not, there's not a person you could plug in here and just say, oh, okay, this all of it makes sense now. All of a sudden, RJ Randall's a second banana, and RJ is clearly the third banana. Like that, that guy is not really attainable. So I think you just have to go to like, how can you get to good? And then I think the premise of this whole thing that Leon Rose is building is once we get to definitively good, the final, the final piece, whatever that is, whether that's a mega star or, or a fourth or fifth really good player, if you're going more so the Phoenix model and saying, Hey, like we're, we're going to, we're going to win because we have, we have balance and depth, not necessarily because we have a top three or four player in the league. Um, that guy will find his way here if we are good enough. And, and to me, that is, the, that is the cleanest path for the Knicks. It, it, it's making an improvement through your own maneuvering and then counting on New York to do its thing and attract a star once you're good enough to be worthy of that guy. Uh, but Alex, I think we can get into our uh, final, final two questions here. Um, this one comes from Relo1K at Relo1K wants to know, what are your thoughts on the superstition behind Bing Bong? I see fans say it's cursed. Yet we lost a bunch of early games in last year's City Edition jersey, and no one said anything. Alex, I revealed to you before the show that obviously just by being on the internet for the last few months, I was I was aware of Bing Bong, but I I didn't know the origin of Bing Bong, and I I just never cared enough to really look into. And you you gave me sort of the full superhero story for uh, for Bing Bong before we started. Yeah,
1: yeah So first off, with the the uh, analogy in there about the City Edition jerseys too. Uh, I also hate those, even when the started with them last year. So, you know, I, as far as all this stuff is concerned, but you know, the, if the city edition jerseys from last year were considered cursed too, then cool, because I didn't like them. <laughs> but I love this year's city edition jerseys. But the whole Bing Bong happened uh, is from this this uh, show called Side Talk, which is like a it's a one minute uh, like man on the street reporter show uh, you know, that they do all over New York. Um, it's maybe a smidge problematic at times. I don't know. I mean, some people have been like, you know, it's, it's a little messed up that like sometimes they're clearly going up to like, like homeless people or, or perhaps people with mental illnesses or whatever, and sort of exploiting them for views on the internet. Um, but you know, some of the videos have been just wholesome New York content where you just have New Yorkers talking and, um, you know, just being New Yorkers, uh, for small clips at a time. But basically in every single one of those videos, because they, once side talk started getting some notoriety and people started knowing what it was when they were coming up to them, you'd always get one person in every video that would go bing bong because it's the, you know, the subway sound. And so, you know, that, that happens in every side talk video. The thing is, is that that was, you know, the, the video after the Celtics win, was a lot of people's first exposure to those videos. And so the guy who said Bing Bong, you know, said it just because he recognized Side Talk and was like, oh, Bing Bong. And th- But then all the people that had never seen a Side Talk video before were like, how random, what is this? What does this guy say? Why is he saying Bing Bong in the middle of a video? And decide to turn it into like a whole, you know, meme or whatever. And good for them. But yeah, I just always found it to be stupid because I was like, why are we freaking out about this? Like, you know, literally, there was a a video last year on the Knicks by side talk after the playoffs the, the f Trey Young video, and I'm pretty sure someone said uh, Bing Bong in that one too, and nobody went crazy for it. So I always thought it was stupid, but um, that's the story of Bing Bong. Do I believe in the curse of Bing Bong? Uh, yeah, I, I believe in it insofar as it got Bing Bong to uh, leave the Knicks. You know, fan vernacular. And, uh, you know, got people to be like, oh, it's cursed, so we can't say it anymore. I'm like, good, whatever it takes, just get that stupid saying out of my, out of the Twitter verse for me. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it was also, it was just providing such an easy path to get dunked on. Like, you know, it was just like for a month afterwards, you had to deal with every time that the Knicks lost, which was plenty in that month after the whole thing took off, like just every single day other team's social media account making cringy bing bong tweets and crap. And, you know, it's just annoying. So yeah, I'm glad to see it's dead. Um, you know, the side talk videos, some of the, some of the problematic, uh, stuff aside are generally pretty fun. So, you know, keep it alive for that, I guess, uh, you know, and maybe stop, uh, stop like sort of exploiting, uh, homeless people and mentally ill people as much. um, but, like, you know, the, the overall premise of the, the Bing Bong thing, as far as the Knicks are concerned, like, good. You know, rest in peace, I guess.
0: Or don't rest in peace. I don't care. I, I'm just glad it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing to add. Uh, I, I don't really – I'm, I'm happy to have never really had any thoughts on, on Bing Bong. All right, uh, one final question uh, from Howard Bunsis at H Bunsis. Um, this was, this was during the, um, I think this was during the Raptors game. He said the Knicks, it might, it might have, no, I think it was during the Pacers game. He said the Knicks are 16 for 21 inside the arc and four for 18 from three, maybe go inside more five minutes for Obi. five, maybe he meant five more minutes for Obi after 45 last game. Oh, you know, that was it. Obi was barely playing. Uh, can we trade Fournier? Alec is not a point guard, more deuce. So a lot there, Alex, I think we can maybe start off by, addressing the Fournier point, which we are going to get into more in part two of this mailbag. And to me, this is sort of a question of like, how do you want to ultimately sort out the bench and, and what do you want to do with it? And like, do you move Fournier there? Do you move off Fournier entirely? Um, I think Fournier will not get traded this season. I would be really surprised. I think the Knicks are going to try and do everything possible to rehabilitate his value because right now you probably have to attach something to him to get him out Uh, again, something we'll get into more deeply next show. Uh, Alec is not a point guard. I agree with that though. I think it, it worked out sort of well the last, uh, at least last game against the Pacers that he was playing there because it gave RJ a chance to get a whole lot of reps on the ball and and get into a really good rhythm. Um, So if RJ can continue that, uh, that would be nice. But I I agree in a long-term sense, we we, we had the Alec Burks at point guard experiment. It didn't really work. And then more Deuce, um, I think we've sort of seen some of the the limitations of Deuce the last couple of games in in that he will have some fantastic moments. uh, But like any young player, I think, especially one who was a a second round pick, um, there's still like a pretty steep learning curve and, and the shooting isn't quite as consistent as you would want it to be yet. I I love when he's out there on the floor, but I I think he's been an interesting case where where Tibbs has been clearly pretty reticent to play him long minutes just because he doesn't really bring a lot of creation right now at the point guard spot, or at least an ability to break down a defense consistently. Um, And the Knicks sort of desperately need that, especially with Kemba Walker out.
1: Yeah, I mean... To the to just get into the grand point of like the early so yeah I agree with all the stuff about the guards and you know we will get into Fournier more in the next show so we don't have to get into that right this second but the uh, you know as far as getting inside more yeah obviously I think that's that's key and you know we saw Julius and RJ getting inside more you know in the Indiana game and you know the the benefits that that presents even against an elite rim protector like Miles Turner. You know, they managed to find a way to, to score inside. And I think that that's what we're going to have to see going forward if this team wants to really, you know, really get somewhere. You know, that their identity can't be the team that shoots, you know, 53s a game like the, you know, whatever, like 2017, 2018 Houston Rockets. You know, that's just not who this team is. Uh, they don't have that level of three-point shooting talent, clearly, that can do that uh, on a consistent basis. And they don't have like a James Harden that is breaking the defense down to that extent that you have just wide open looks all the time from three. So start taking advantage of the big bodies on the team and setting screens, getting inside. That's going to be the key for success. That's obviously what gets RJ going. And I think whether he wants to admit it or not, that's what gets Julius going too is, you know, just seeing the ball go through the hoop a few times, you know, sort of finding his rhythm and and then, you know, from there, once he gets a few points on the board and and things start feeling good, then he starts busting out the the mid range bag, and then it's game over for the other team, like we saw the other day. So I think that's definitely the way to go. Um, one last question comes from Paul Jeffrey the Third at Paul the Great Nine. Uh, this is a silly one, Gavin, but we'll give we'll give some quick answers here. I've watched a lot of basketball going back to 1987. Have either of you ever seen a dude that sweat as much as Patrick Ewing? I remember that he had like his own personal sweat mopper upper after every free throw he took. I can't recall another player having a dude like that. Uh, yeah. I, You know, you and I have been pretty open about the fact that we sort of grew up a little after the, the golden age of Patrick Ewing. You know, I think my first season really paying attention to the Knicks was when I was like nine years old and it was the 98, 99 season and you know, the finals run, but he was largely not a part of that once it hit the finals run part. Um, but having watched old tape of him, yeah, he's he's a prolific sweater. I think the only guys that I can really think of, at least for me, and you had, you had a different guy, but there's a common theme among all these guys that we listed. I said uh, Jordan and Shaq. Um, I can remember sweating a ton. And, you know, when you watch videos of them, they're just like drenched in sweat, but they're bald. And I think that that, you know, obviously then there's no buffer. There's nothing to catch all that sweat. So, you know, of course you're going to look way sweatier than the other guys on the court if you're bald. And I feel like we don't see as much of that now in the current NBA because of the fact that everybody seems resistant to going bald anymore. Like, that's just not a cool look anymore, I guess. So, like, you've got LeBron and, like, Fournier and all these other guys getting hair plugs just to avoid the appearance of being bald. Um so nobody's really embracing that shave bald look anymore, which I think has led to, to less sweat on the court. Um, but like Patrick Ewing was never bald; he always had the flat top, and and yet always managed to produce that. I'm willing to, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that you know he's up on Mount Sweatmore uh, as far as <laughs> like the top, the top guy. Maybe just him alone on Mount Sweatmore, uh, or maybe him and three bald guys. You know, maybe maybe Jordan uh, Shaq and the guy that you're about to mention. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that he stands alone as far as guys with hair that sweat as much as he did.
0: Yeah, I, I had Kevin Garnett as my one guy. I mean, someone who would literally be like dripping with sweat by the time the national anthem went on. And I think the common theme of all these guys was there There was just an intensity there. Right. I, I think it was this, this desperation to win overall else and i mean for kg like he, he was literally banging his head against the stanchion before the start of games like i'm sure like mj was working himself into a fervor like jack and ewing great competitors in their own right so maybe maybe it's the baldness plus the the competitiveness because we're talking about and and part of it is that you just you just remember the great players more right like i'm sure there have been a lot of mediocre guys who sweat a lot but uh there, there might be there might be something to greatness and excessive sweating uh, I will. I will certainly look into it as someone who is is trying to achieve greatness himself. Maybe. Maybe I'm just. I'm not. I, I almost never sweat during this podcast. So clearly, I'm not working hard enough. But uh, do you have a final point there, Alex, or you want uh, to wrap it up?
1: I was going to say. Also, got to consider minute load here.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, that
1: that definitely leads to to sweat. So you know that's why the superstars are probably the most memorable. I also wanted to give an honorable mention. The more I was thinking about it. Steve Nash, like, during mm. his prime Suns years when he was playing so many minutes, like, he would get out of games looking like he'd just taken a shower. Uh, and he had yeah. so much hair that, like, you didn't see as much of the sweat. But, like, I mean, his his hair was, like, drenched by the end of those games uh, when he was with the Suns during the prime, like, seven seconds or less era. Because that was, like, a 35-year-old dude, like, running up and down the floor like a maniac and keeping up with Amari Stoudemire, who was, like, 22 at the time. So, yeah, I I think Steve Nash maybe gets an honorable mention here as an underrated sweater. Anyway, I I think we'll be back. with We're going to be talking about Fournier, uh, among other topics as far as like team building and uh, things of that nature. So that's all coming up on the next edition of Locked on Knicks. Actually, probably two editions, because we're also going to have a game recap for you guys too. But until next time, thanks. And we will talk to you guys all soon. Peace out.